Hi, this is Pastor Brad Bergfalk at Hillcrest Church. Um, joining me for another episode of Our Stories, a new podcast here at Hillcrest. I am delighted to have Graham Schleicher. And Graham, uh, we just met formally a minute ago, and I don't know how many people who are going to be listening to this podcast know you. Could we start out by you just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Graham Schleicher, kind of as we just mentioned. Uh, I've kind of, I've grown up at Hillcrest, um, pretty much my, it's been my only church I've really gone to, aside from when I was in college. I went to a different church for a little while because I was in K-State, but um, yeah, just one of the, kind of been my home forever. So you, when you say you grew up here, you went to the youth ministry and, uh, and, and so you've known this place inside and out. Yep. That's been kind of the fun bit to see some of the stuff change. Like I remember going to the youth building, uh, gosh, when I, being so excited to go to the youth building when I was in elementary school. And when we went to middle school, we got to go up and they had all these Xboxes around the um, pylon uh, in the basement. And it was just so much fun to see all that kind of stuff and have like beanbags set up and. So you, so you were attracted to youth ministry for the Xbox ministry. I mean, it certainly didn't hurt. Uh, I was, and still am, kind of a nerd. So there's always been an attraction to video games. I was pretty competitive when I was younger. So being able to play video games with other people that we could like compete at was a lot of fun. And then to go up and sing songs in a really loud setting. Mm-hmm. Everybody, like, it seems like everyone when they're younger likes to louder music. So. Yeah. Be careful about that. Cause when you get to be my age, you, you don't hear as well. Oh yeah. I've been warned about that a lot, specifically by my dad. So, so you, you mentioned earlier that you went to college. Where did you go to college? I went to college at K-State. K-State. And uh, what did you do there? What what subject did you study? So I studied mechanical engineering for my major, and I got a minor in nuclear engineering. Okay. I really wanted to get a major in nuclear engineering, but K-State didn't offer it. So the best I had was a minor, unless I wanted to go get a master's degree. And have you found a, a place to use that um, knowledge since you have got out of college? So, yeah, I'm a mechanical engineer with Honeywell right now, specifically a quality engineer. So how that kind of breaks down is I pretty much just follow the rules. <laughs> so I don't get to do a whole lot of the math or like any sort of like really, uh, I guess, calculation driven thought. It's a lot of uh, critical thinking of, you know, if this, then this, you know, if X, then Y kind of result, um, which I mean, I still kind of enjoy because I get to make sure that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing and people kind of respect the whole making things correctly and kind of the integrity aspect of it. Okay. I mean, it sounds like the way you describe it, it sounds like you enjoy your work. That's the most important thing. Um, uh, tell me, Graham, you went from here, you spent your, your youth and, uh, your childhood in the, uh, in the children's and youth ministry here at Hillcrest. You went away to college did you did you uh, continue to uh, pursue your your faith and and tell us a little bit about um, about how you came to faith? If there's a story to tell around that, so I guess nothing really initially. Uh, since I grew up in the church, it was just kind of a thing I was familiar with, and uh, it's interesting because it was all is an intellectual thing for so long. Like I didn't realize what it meant to own my faith until much later. And that happened, gosh, in, let's see, it would be after I graduated college even. Because like even still, I went to, when I was at K-State, I still just went to church because that's kind of what it was. 
And that's kind of what I did and had fun doing it, had friends, all that kind of stuff. But then after I had graduated, um, I had had a lot of trouble finding a job. So it was kind of a frustrating point because everyone told me when I had went through the mechanical engineering program at K-State that I would have a job waiting for me and it wouldn't be trouble. And there was like, I believe about six months that I was unemployed. So I got really upset with it and actually ended up finding a small group that was here at Hillcrest, which helped me a lot. Um, kind of helped me see some of the, I guess, more unhealthy uh, obsessions that I had with uh, focusing on my job and kind of blaming other people for stuff that was frankly my own fault. And so that's when I started kind of seeing a little bit of what it meant to own the, my faith as my own. So let's see, when, when I was unemployed for a bit, I ended up finding another job uh, where I didn't get to use my degree. I was just, I was an assembler at a plant that made um, high pressure oxygen cylinders for uh, like the Boeing 747 and 777 X, just the large airliners. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see people just kind of rally around and make something that they actually had confidence in and something that they actually just enjoyed their job. And that really taught me, that is something that really taught me humility. Um, because tell me, tell me how, how you get humility out of that experience. Yeah. So like with the going to K-State, they told me this was the hardest thing that you can do at K-State. And so I was like, oh, well, yeah, I did it. So it's, you know, I know I can do something hard. So I like challenging myself. So I was, I guess, really prideful and thinking that I deserved to have a job. I deserved to have all this stuff when I graduated, but to kind of just see, like, I don't need to have like a... I guess a prideful position, a like really lofty title or anything like that to be uh, contented, to be happy. I just need to be able to work in something that I enjoy. So I guess being able to see people and also myself becoming happy in what I was doing uh, and just being able to work with people from much different backgrounds was mm -hmm. really, I guess, more of a humbling experience than anything. Okay. That sounds interesting. I mean, uh, are you, um, how, how long did it take in that position before you felt like you were ready to get into this job you currently have? So actually it was about another six months or so that I worked in that job. And then I got um, hired at a shipyard in Virginia as a nuclear engineer. So that was actually pretty interesting going to see a bunch of, uh, like where I was working in an aircraft carrier actually. So going to see like all of the fun intricacies of it. And it's really odd when you show up on work the first day and they just told me to get lost. So I said the best way to uh, learn where stuff is is to get lost. and On the ship. Yeah, on the ship. And, or, and the shipyard in general. So I just got to wander around and see all those kind of neat things. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. You get paid to get lost. Yeah, pretty much. And then um, how did you find yourself back here in uh, Kansas City? So I... I worked at that shipyard for about three months, which sounds like a bad thing. I didn't get fired or anything like that. But what happened is while, so just before then, my mother had been uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. So that it was hard to leave Kansas City when that was like the state of health. And so I had moved out there more begrudgingly than what, you know, than what I expected when I finally got the job that I wanted. And I worked there for about a month and a half until my current employer called me and wanted to offer me an interview. And uh, worst case, I looked at it, I was like, hey, I can go home. I can see my family, all sort of stuff. Mm 
And so I, I flew back here, drove to the plant in a blizzard and uh, took me like an extra 45 minutes to get there. It was a lot of fun because I just pulled some random people to interview me. But at the end of the day, they offered me a job. And while I was, uh, while I come back and was in Virginia, they called me at like nine, nine o'clock at night. And uh, so that was really kind of exciting to get something that late. And they're like, hey, we want to pay you a lot more money and give you a title bump and you get to come back and be with your family. But then I still had to go through the awkwardness of trying to explain to the people I work with why I needed to leave. But it was, it was really nice to know how understanding and to see how understanding the people I worked with were. So I went and just sat down with her. I was like, I'm sorry, but I have to give my resignation and had to explain like my mother's health and all that sort of stuff to why I wanted to be back. And it was nice because she looked at me and she's like, go home. And they let me have the, the job there for like an extra three or four weeks just so I can keep getting paid and keep making money to be able to have something when I go home. And so. So let me, um, I'm going to redirect the questioning in just a little bit um, because we are a church and this is a podcast in a church context, but I'm, I'm intrigued. How does one <clears throat> live out their faith in the context of a mechanical engineering um, world? So it's kind of hard because how like corporate America functions, if I do anything that can upset anybody, they can report me to HR. And it's kind of odd because there's that constant threat. If I say something with the wrong person around, even if everything's well-intentioned, then somebody can turn around and I can get, you know, file a grievance or something like that. So there's always a little bit of a risk, but a lot of, there's several people at work that I can uh, kind of, I guess workplace evangelize to. And a lot of it comes down to trying to spend time with people outside of work and trying to just have a uh, kind of an intentional friendship with them. And a lot of some of the people that I work with are, have come from other areas. Like, uh, for instance, one of my friends, uh, his name is Adam, came from the Rust Belt. When he first came in, he sat next to me. So, and since I had been there for a little while longer, I just sat with him and showed him kind of like as an impromptu mentor and a lot of the stuff, which in all honesty, I hadn't been there for, so, for very long either, but I at least know the area. So I offered to, you know, show him places and do all sorts of stuff like that. And so, and so now, so now you're friends and, and outside of your work environment, you can be more um, authentic about your faith with, with this friend. Um, does it feel... Does it feel odd to you to come back to sort of your old home uh, haunts and in, in, in a career? I, I know you're also active. Are you a volunteer in our youth ministry program? Yeah, so I actually volunteer in the middle school ministry. Mm -hmm. And then kind of whenever I get called to do anything else in the younger levels. I know before COVID hit everything, uh, that was kind of a fun thing when uh, you get up Sunday morning and like, hey, we need somebody in the twos room or something like that. And then I just go and my objective is to sit there and distract them so they don't break anything or do anything that they shouldn't. But it's fun because you can just sit there on the floor and then they just kind of swarm you. So, What, what would compel a, a young career guy like you to do something like that? Um, I knew that we needed volunteers and I'm always, I was like doing service. I'm much more of a, like do things for people kind of, th uh, person rather than just say words. 
for me, like words don't have as much value uh, as they do for a lot of other people. But being able to like show that I value somebody by um, like doing something for them helps a lot more. At least it's more impactful to me. Can you can you describe a time for us when your faith was was really real to you, whether it was through a struggle or a challenge that you were facing or maybe something that was really wonderful that happened? So actually, this kind of happened um, at the tail end of my time in Virginia, where uh, I was just able to see the work that God was doing in my life, where I had kind of been stuck in some... Um, unsavory activities, I guess. Like I wasn't going to church. I was just living what was effectively like a frat house. And so I was, you know, there wasn't any Christian community around me, but I had been, <laughs> there's okay, kind of a longer story with this, um, that I kind of need, need to give credit to Tim Sacconi. He was a, a youth pastor, uh, while I was in high school. And so he had done a Bible study, uh, while I was in high school. And the last thing I remember was first Corinthians and we were just reading through the Bible and just talking about it as we went. And so with that being the last thing I remembered and the last time I remembered being at peace. And while I was in Virginia, I was very anxious and in kind of a state of turmoil. And so I went back to the last thing that I remembered, like some sort of like peace during, and that was when we were going through these studies. And so then I just picked up my Bible and just started reading it. And I'm going through First Corinthians all the way through Revelation and just trying to kind of hear uh, what God was saying. And that was where my faith started becoming more real because I started trying to make more of a commitment and realizing it's not just like going to a building or doing something. It's a much more personal relationship than that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in light of all of that, the time that I had been spending in Scripture and praying and trying to, I guess— correct some of the poor behaviors and thought patterns I had had. Um, I ended up getting into a car accident because somebody, several cars ahead of me had cut someone off. And I thought we were all getting, uh, we're all slowing down to get off the exit ramp. And turns out the incident happened ahead. So I slammed on my brakes and slid into the back of the guy's car. And um, in most situations, people would get out and they'd be livid that somebody else caused an accident. I clearly hit the guy, so I was at fault, and I wasn't going to blame that. But a lot of uh, interactions that I've seen with car accidents, people just get angry. And in my case, I got up, and the first thing I said is, are you okay? I had to go run over to the guy to make sure that he was fine. Everybody was okay. It was low enough speed, but still damaged the car. But that was the first instance where I could see what God had done in my heart, is that I didn't care at all for the damage of my, of my car. I didn't care at all for myself. I had to go check to make sure that the guy was all right. So that was a little uncharacteristic for you to to respond like that? To be that active, because usually um, that's like, I want to say like a second thought, but it's not as immediate. It's just like having like an instance where it's like, well, crap, something happened. And then moving forward to see like, you know, what did I do? What can I do to help? Like, yeah. Uh, what would you say to... Uh, to a nerdy high school kid or junior high kid, I guess we call them middle schoolers here, um, who's uh, in the youth group and uh, and is sort of wondering what life is all about. What would you tell them? Oh, that's a tough question because you know everyone's always kind of a case by case basis. But I know for me, I kind of was off put by other people. I was awkward and all that, um, but. I guess that's just that community is important. 
I know that um, I didn't really find community until um, it was like high school and college. College was where it was really significant for me. But um, even still having somebody you can uh, talk to and at that having an authentic Christian community helps a lot. Um, I mean, just having friends helps with any sort of random struggles. But if you have a Christian community, then they can understand a lot more of, I guess, where you're coming from because you have the same upbringing. You'll have the same kind of um, having that common faith helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so if I hear you correctly, you're saying uh, going at this alone is harder than you know, doing it with others that share the same kind of desire. Yeah, no man is an for island. Faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else you, that you can think of that I, a question I haven't asked you yet that you think would be interesting for, uh, our listeners to hear? I don't know. I guess one of the other little stories that I have is just seeing some of the fun and interesting things that God can do in your life when you just stop trying to control everything. Um, tell I, me more about that. Kind of when I, so when I was in Virginia, again, wrapping up, uh, I had, was given two choices. I had to go get fingerprinted for my job. So I can either fly back home and pay for out of pocket to that, or I could drive up to Washington, D.C. and spend the weekend there. So as I was going into work to tell them, hey, I'm not going to be here for this day, the car accident happened. So then I'm like, well, now crap, how do I get there? Found out they had a train. So I had the first time taking a train. You got to go spend an entire weekend just walking around everywhere because I didn't have a car. And um, because I was walking around asking God, like, okay, what can I do here? What can I, like, where can I see you move? Um, I was just able to go and observe people in a very interesting way. And I ended up having um, lunch with a guy that was homeless because I just saw you need food. So I went and offered to go take him to Chipotle because there was one nearby. And then we just sat down and talked. I got to like hear a little bit about his story. It was actually really interesting because he wanted to talk about what it's like to be seen and how being homeless in any area, you have this kind of like leper syndrome kind of thing where people don't want to have anything to deal with you. And even when they do, some of the people just throw, try and throw money at the situation to make it go away rather than seeing you in a, as like a, as a human, as a human that has uh, trouble. And you're not just, you're not the sum of your current situation or um, that not everybody who's in a situation like that is there because of something of their own choice or their own control. Mm-hmm. And what do you think compelled you on that particular day to see him, as you say, and not just walk by him like everybody else? I think I was definitely prompted by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know any other reason why I would have, uh, I guess, looked for it in that way. Um, I know I'd had a bunch of really odd experiences with uh, homeless people while I was there, namely people like trying to run up to me and uh, I don't, they weren't trying to like, physically contact me in any way, but it was kind of an intimidating, uh, I guess, feel I was getting from some of the people, but this was just kind of different. So I think the only way that I could attribute it would be prompting by the Holy Spirit. Well, Graham, thank you for taking the time to tell us about your story and about the way you've, um, your faith is uh, an integral part of your life. It's obvious to, to me at least. And, um, 
Thank you for joining us today for this episode of um, our stories here at Hillcrest Church. And if you have a story to tell that you think that uh, people at Hillcrest Church would like to hear, we would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out, uh, call us, send an email to our um, information email here at the church. And uh, Graham, thank you. Thank you for being with us.